Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lockdown Toronto. I really appreciate you tuning back in. We've had a lot of uh, conversations over the last 10 shows, and this is number 11th. Again, past that milestone, and I'm really excited to bring you yet another episode. And the subject matter of today's episode is the anti-mask movement in Canada. If you want to call it a movement, a sentiment, whatever. It's a really interesting phenomenon. I mean, we're seeing the consequences of it south of the south of the border where uh, lots of people are running around and protesting in large numbers. But uh, Canada is, is, is also experiencing its form of the anti-mask movement. And my guest today has been covering it, um, covering that movement for uh, a few weeks now. And uh, one of their videos, one of his videos went viral the other day. And uh, it prompted me to say, hey, you know, we should uh, be covering the subject a little bit. And he's good, a good a person to ask about this as anyone. Uh, and my guest today, his name is Brian Tao. Welcome, Brian. Hello, Robert. How are you? Thanks very much for having me on the podcast. Good. And, and, and I'm, I'm doing well, and I'm glad you're doing well. I mean, you're coming out of self-imposed quarantine right now because of your interactions with these folks. Can you explain what prompted that uh, on your end or that decision to go into self-quarantine for a couple of weeks? Yeah, so I mean that was one of those uh, decisions I took after I uh, I came home from uh, that particular anti-mask rally that they had two weeks ago. Actually, two weeks plus two days now. Um, and it's also it's it's always one of those tricky questions because we never know if we're infected because of the asymptomatic nature of uh, of COVID nineteen. Yeah. I figured this was probably uh, something that had passed my own personal threshold because here you are, uh, here I was spending maybe about an hour in total with a group of about 35 people or so who you would expect don't exercise, uh, you know, sufficient care in the rest of their daily lives as far as uh, social distancing and, and hand washing and, and obviously not wearing masks. So I thought just to be safe. Um, and I checked my schedule, and it was something I could do reasonably well for the 14 days. So I, I took it upon myself just to start uh, a self-quarantine starting on that Tuesday, which was July 7th. Um, and so that ended July 21st, and it's the 23rd today. Well, welcome back to the rest of society. I appreciate Thank you. the self-sacrifice <laughs> in order to uh, broach the subject, because I find it kind of interesting. I mean... If it wasn't so kind of concerning, it would be very entertaining to watch some of this stuff. I mean, and for, for those who haven't seen his videos, I will be linking them in the description below. Um, but essentially, you've been you 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 cover these anti-mask protests. What did you just happen to come across them, or did you seek them out? I see that you're in, in some of them. You're on a, a bicycle. So maybe you were commuting, you saw something happening, you felt that as an opportunity to to engage them. What happened there? What prompted you to get, get involved there? Yeah, so for this particular one, uh, I knew there was something going on because uh, there were posts on, on social media. You could see it on Twitter. There were mentions on Facebook, on Reddit, and so on. Um, because July 7th was the first day the Toronto, the city of Toronto mask bylaw went into effect. It was on the Tuesday. Uh, now, I'm usually out just going for my bike rides. I, I do that to go grocery shopping. I do that as a form of physical exercise. So I'm out there anyway. Um, and when I'm out in the city, I have a, a camera. It's kind of like a dash cam, but it's chest mounted. Uh, so I okay. have that recording on my rides anyway. 
Um, and because I live in downtown Toronto, I'm always taking Young Street, Bay Street, College, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and as, ha- as it happens, that morning, I was going up Young Street, went past Young Dundas Square, and I could see at the time probably about a dozen people. And uh, they were all huddled together in a group, and some of them had placards. It, it seemed like a few of them had stacks of uh, of cards, right? Mm-hmm. Which turned out to be those those fake medical exemption cards. Yeah. Uh, and that reminded me that oh yes, today was when they were planning this uh, anti-mask TTC subway ride, and they were going to start at Young Dundas Square, and ride the subway a couple of stops up to Young and Bloor. So, so so it was a it was just it was a group of maybe a bunch what, what would you say a dozen a hundred yeah I, I at the, they they, they started off uh, they started off with about a dozen people by the time I arrived and I think that was maybe I would say maybe about nine thirty in the morning or so. So what do you think their goal was either to raise awareness for their point of view or was it to get in trouble with uh, by flaunting the bylaw and so uh, and create a, a bigger scene. From that, right. So their their stated goal is to make the public aware that there is this exemption in the bylaw because of medical privacy laws, right? So a business can state that uh, you have to wear a mask to enter their store. However, a business cannot ask you uh, why you have a reason to not wear a mask. You can claim that I have uh, I have a medical condition or some other condition that prevents me from wearing a mask, uh, but I don't have to prove it to you. I don't have to prove it to you, the business. I don't have to prove it to you, the TTC, or anyone else because of my right to privacy. Okay. So this group wants people to know that if you don't want to wear a mask, you can claim a medical exemption, but not have to back it up. Hmm. So that's why they were handing out these weird cards that basically say if you have one of these, you can be exempt? Yes. So if you look at the cards, they're sort of double-sided. And on one side, it says uh, it describes this whole thing about medical exemptions and how if a business or anyone in in, in particular asks you why you can't wear the masks, uh, they consider that a human rights violation. And they have a phone uh... number that you can call to report this violation. Um, I mean, it's all very aggressive wording. I don't know if most people encountering that situation would kind of dial it up that high right off the bat. So, right? so yeah. So you think it's one of those situations where they're trying to spark a Ontario mm-hmm. human rights complaint to right. get some type of relief, legal relief for this type of thing? Do you suspect they're that they're playing that kind of chess, or is it just a matter of trolling the bylaw? I think it's uh, it's both, right? They they want to spark this outrage. Uh, they do it under the guise of human rights, of of uh, personal freedoms. Mm. But you can tell by the wording, you can tell by their actions, by the uh, by the past histories of the organizers and the leaders of these movements, that they're not doing this really in what I would call good faith. Right. Right. It seems like they are doing this to incite this sort of dissent and this sort of civil disobedience, or in their case, they call it civil obedience because everyone's just putting on the mask and they seem to think that's not a good thing. Right. And I see you engage them with a very simple question. And it's a question, it's a thought experiment. 
trying right. to lead a horse to water, so to speak, in that... <laughs> Can you explain what that question is? And the, none of them, some they realize somewhere along the way that you're trying to bring their their mind to a place where it doesn't want to go, so they're mm. afraid to answer in just the obvious way because they realize they're going to get tripped up at some point, but they don't realize where that is. Can you explain what that question is? Right. So one of their talking points, uh, and which is why I believe this is not being done in good faith, and it's not just a matter of personal freedoms, is uh, if you look at the card that they hand out, on the reverse side, they, they list six points. The very first one says, uh, you know, not only, are, not only do the masks not help with the, uh, with the, uh, uh, the spread of the virus, they're actually harmful. Right, so that's kind of taking it one step further. They're saying mm -hmm. it's not just it's not just that they're useless; they will actually harm your health. And the first point they have says that the mask decreases the amount of oxygen intake that is available to you. Right. So my question to them on that day was, okay, well, I'll, I'll I will take your lead. I'll start with your card, and I'll start with point number one on your card. And let's see how far down the list we can go. Because they go into other reasons why they, they, they think you should not wear masks. The first point is that it, uh, it, it, it prevents you from getting enough oxygen into your lungs, which is a, a, a health hazard. So then you go off and compare it to the virus, right? The, right. The so molecules. my question to them is because their, their contention is when you wear a mask, it's it's you know made out of fabric and we all know it's made out of threads and there's a weave to it so it's not a solid piece of plastic or metal or rubber or anything like that right you've got the weave so obviously there are going to be holes in the fabric tiny microscopic holes their contention is the virus is so tiny that it can it, it won't be blocked by a simple uh cotton fabric Right, right, cotton, denim, lycra, whatever, what, uh, what have you. So, in other words, the masks are useless to protect right. you against the virus. Right, right, because they're not tight enough to yeah. block viruses, which are microscopic, and that's true, right? That's yeah. that's kind of the kernel of truth that you find in any sort of conspiracy theory. So, but then they go on to say that the same mask also blocks oxygen, or at least restricts the flow of oxygen, so you're not getting enough into your lungs when you're breathing with a mask on. So my simple question to them is, how does that work? Because we all know, or at least I thought we all knew, that oxygen molecules are, are even smaller than a virus, right? A virus is, is composed of many, many, many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of molecules. So it's, say, you know, this big, if we were to scale it up. An oxygen molecule is tiny compared to a virus. So how is it that a mask that has holes large enough to let a virus pass through is at the same time able to stop tiny, tiny little oxygen molecules and carbon dioxide molecules and anything else that's in the air. So how does how exactly does it work? Please tell me. Uh, and so that, I think I asked five, maybe six different people. I don't know if they all made it into the video. I don't uh, think you even got past, like you, you, you went in a sequence of questions and at some point, each one of them, they start arresting your your logic in its place yeah. because they don't want 
they realize they're you know <laughs> the, the 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 wheels start turning too fast or like i'm overheating here i cannot answer these questions i know he's going to trap me somehow and i don't know where that is um but let's talk yeah. about so the, the question actually just never gets answered by any of them because they're just kind of so self-involved in, in what they're doing um mm-hmm. but let's talk about the the founders of this specific um group and you mentioned that there's the hugs not masks person uh hugs over masks hugs over masks i think his name is vladislav sovalev he's the founder right i believe so yeah you mentioned that he's like a multi-level marketing kind of slinger in in one uh yeah i mean just if you just go on his facebook page he says he's uh a a health coach uh i think he's associated with herbalife which is the uh the mlm organization um, you know, again, not that relevant, I guess, to the discussion about masks, but it gives a little background on on who this person is. Right. So, do you think that there's a a, a motive there to sell some kind of herbal cures, or, or... I, I I don't think there is. Not uh, not uh, like a specific link to that business. This the motivation behind the the anti mask movement. I think is fairly common, whether it's in Toronto or in Vancouver or Montreal or even across Canada and the U.S. So, I don't believe it's tied to any specific, uh, you know, product placement or anything like that. As so, far as I know. Okay, so I mean, in, in that thinking, then there mm-hmm. is. I mean, there's T-shirts, there's pamphlets, there's flyers, there's cards, all kinds of things. So there's money somewhere coming from somewhere. How yeah. have you done any digging on how this is being funded? Because I mean, there's a lot of questions in Canada about dark money um, mm-hmm. and third parties who have nefarious, I don't know, goals, whether mm-hmm. they be foreign or domestic. Mm-hmm. Um, is, 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 do we know, have we, have you looked into any of that, uh, where, where the funding is coming from? Yeah, I haven't really looked into that aspect. I suspect for the most part, these are, are true grassroots movements. Um, you know, they will find volunteers who can offer up, uh, you know, some of the equipment that they use at their rally. So someone who can, who has access to, let's say DJ equipment that can double as public address speakers uh, microphones megaphones um, you know setting up small tents things like that so I mean I can certainly see this being a volunteer effort something that's based on donations of of whether it's equipment or expertise hmm. um, you know I have seen calls on some of the Facebook pages saying uh, do we know anyone who's a web designer right we uh, I to see fire up uh, a new website for this and that uh, do we know anyone who, uh, a lawyer who's maybe sympathetic to our cause, who might be able to donate some of their expertise because we want to launch a legal challenge uh, against some of the governments? Do we have, Do we know anyone like that? And off it goes on social media to find people who want to contribute to this cause. So in other words, let's blame Zuckerberg again for <laughs> enabling this kind of... Uh... Um, Zuckerberg and yeah, all you know, Twitter and and Reddit and I think Parler is kind of the new uh, the right wing social media because they all believe the traditional social media companies have it in it for conservative right wing voices, which hmm. perhaps coincidentally, most of these anti mass people seem to, to to stay on that side of the political spectrum. 
Okay, so setting that aside, because that's an interesting subject in Mm. and of itself, um, how these groups self-organize and what social media is doing to encourage um, the organization of such groups that have potential harm for the rest of society. But I want to keep it kind of local and domestic for now. There's a part part in the um, video, in one of the videos, where they are citing sources such as the Ontario Civil Liberties Association, which sounds like a legit source. And you do Mm. a really good job of kind of every claim that they make, you bring in sources, and you're not saying they're wrong because www.imright.com. It's more like, well, there's this this part of the truth that they're citing, but here's mm-hmm. the context and here are the real facts in case you're interested. And one of those is looking into the background of the Ontario Liberties Associ- Ontario Civil Liberties Association. Right. Can you explain a little bit about what that group is and why they keep citing um, that group as a, uh, as a legitimate source for some of their ideas? Yeah, so... So the the OCLA, Ontario Civil Liberties Association, sounds like a legitimate group. Uh, It does sound very similar to the Canadian Civil Liberties uh, Association, as well as the BC CLA. Both of those are legitimate, nonpartisan, neutral organizations which advocate for 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 uh, in the in the public interest. The OCLA, on the other hand, if you look into the history, I don't have it right here uh, up in front of me. Um, but they have a very biased and partisan slant to them. So if you go through that and you agree with what they say, you will, of course, think they appear to be an extremely legitimate and convincing organization. But if you look at it, comparing it to actual government organizations and actual advocacy groups, there is that kind of undertone that they're not really approaching this from, uh, again, a good faith perspective. Because you right. look at some of the things that they that they that they advocate for, and you look at some of their past history. Uh, I believe there's a story in uh, the National Post a few years ago where they defended, uh, I think it was a Holocaust denier, um, and you know whether or not you agree with that point of view, it seems uh, suspicious to me that an organization that claims to be for civil liberties would take certain controversial stances like that. Right. And uh, so it it pains me because it seems like that organization obviously has some type of agenda that you can Mm kind of get a sniff of just by seeing what cases they take, even though they try to come across as maybe some nonpartisan organization, but they're essentially a private organization that takes on kind of unsavory cases in a conspicuous way. So I I just wanted to highlight that point because people might see stuff like that and, and not do the requisite research or even just cursory research and looking Mm -hmm. at groups like Mm -hmm. that and, and and because it's so easy to front as something, uh, especially in this day and age, that is is a huge issue that will only get worse if if the, those groups aren't aren't kind of ferreted out for w- what their real agendas are. Um, but so with this group, it's curious because you know you look at let's say the five G conspiracy group. Um, you know you'd probably never engage them if they had a 12-person rally. 
uh, down at Dundas Square, right? And uh, or people who think the moon landing wasn't real, uh, another conspiratorial right, right, type right. of type of folks. But this one has there's there's a unique harm here, and is that one of the motivating factors why you chose to engage them? Yeah, I think in this particular case, it's 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 there is uh, the immediate public harm. Uh, at least the potential for that, you know. And you talk about things like the uh, the people who think Bill Gates is uh, is in the process of subjugating the free world through his five G microchip implants, vaccination programs, and all that. I'm like, okay, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy, but that's not really an immediate threat to the the the, the people who we live and work and play with. Right. Whereas the people who are talking about the anti mask. Um, initiative here and and saying that the governments are tyrannical because they are trampling over our constitutional rights somehow to not wear masks, uh, that can result in a public health hazard. Yeah, and it's especially pertinent because they're choosing to jump into a subway system with perhaps hundreds and thousands of people uh, who choose not mm-hmm. to be in their vicinity and they're doing so willingly and willfully if some, one of them's a super spreader, who knows how that right. can go. And, it, it, and it's uniquely dangerous if you just think about it in that, that context. Um, the, the vast majority of, I would not the vast majority, I would say the majority of the people mm-hmm. in this movement are, they seem to be older. I don't mean to maybe age cast, um, typecast these, these folks or stereotype, but I mean, they don't seem to me like folks who are the most savvy. Um, and Mm -hmm. there, there's a certain demographic thread that that's kind of consistent almost, uh, throughout. Did you, did you kind of notice that? And is that consistent with what you've seen throughout the coverage of it? Uh, what I've noticed, and this is, is something that other people have also noticed, is uh, I wouldn't say they were older. They're not. They're 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 clearly not. They're not seniors. Yeah, they're instance. not elderly. Not, not but I would say not maybe elderly. They haven't grown up with the internet. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So I mean, we're probably looking at people who are in their late thirties, forties, maybe some of them. Uh, not so much in the video that I was showing. Some of them maybe in their early fifties and so on. Um, they all seem to be Caucasian and fairly well off. I mean, not wealthy, but not the type of person who needs to work two jobs to make ends meet and doesn't have time to deal with this sort of thing. These are people who I find can afford to have this luxury of protesting against what they perceive to be oppression and tyranny, possibly yeah. because they have not experienced that much hardship in their own lives. So to them, this feels like oppression. Right. And I mean, well, there, it, everything you said there is, is quite accurate. Um, and it's kind of the sentiment that I got And the, the, mm-hmm. you, 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 you aren't shy about highlighting one of the characters in your video. And I call them characters cause it's almost like a caricature of someone. It's, it's comical to, yeah. to a certain extent. Isn't uh, it? Uh, by the name of Kelly Kellyanne Wolf and Wolf who right. claims to have 13 degrees in psychology is a member of Mensa as well as being an extremely popular not extremely popular but a very popular 
uh, musician. musician. Um, she, has an, she has an IQ of 195. And a master's uh, in political science. And a master's in political <laughs> science. Right. So clearly either one of two things is true here. Either all that, that laundry list, those bona fides are real, or she's delusional, mm -hmm. or maybe there's, she thinks that that's going to be a convincing approach to just straight up, like, tell mistruths to people. Um, I'm not sure which one's which, but uh, what are your thoughts on that one? And why did you feel the need to, to bring attention to her in, in one of your videos so much, other than yes. her being a big subject in one of your videos? Yeah, so I mean, it didn't, uh, I certainly didn't plan it that way. I've never, I had never met this woman before that encounter on, uh, at Young and Bloor. And I haven't seen her since. I know she's been to the Queen's Park rallies because I've seen other people's videos of those events and I recognize her. And she is one of the, uh, maybe not an organizer, but certainly at least a spokesperson. She tends to be the one with the megaphone introducing speakers, introducing people. Um, she has a very active Facebook page, uh, which she had deleted at one point and but then restarted posting. Uh, the usual conspiracy theories and, and you know, like what? fake news, that sort of thing. Uh, things like, um, uh, I'd actually have to check, but uh, but the whole thing about uh, she, she continues with the, with the anti-mask uh, rhetoric about how it's not just harmless, it's or not that it's not just useless, but it's actually harmful. Right. Right. She goes through the whole thing with... Um, uh, with the there, there's a lawsuit that's been launched against all the levels of government and the chief medical officers of Toronto, of Ontario, of Canada, and so on. She backs that. Um, for a while, she was trying to defend herself uh, because her social media has just been just been nuked by the response to my videos. Yeah. Um, was it 74,000 hits on part two? I think it was. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure where I am now. Yeah, maybe 70 some thousand views. And that's just on my original video, uh, which doesn't count all the links and the reposts that yeah. other channels have, have put in. And I, like I saw one particular one. It's by a uh, I think he's a usually a gaming streamer, but he's got a channel on YouTube and he posted one highlighting certain parts of my video. And I think within 24 hours, his video got over a million views. Wow. Uh, and, and he did the same thing as well. This, this lady wants to get her name out. She s literally spelled her name out in the video and told people to come find her. So he's like, I'm more than happy to oblige. Here's her name. Here's some of her channels. And that got a million views. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I I can't even estimate what the reach has been like. Yeah. Uh, with that, which I mean, I came across your videos organically. To be honest, I wasn't even thinking of procuring a or or, or doing a podcast on this. And then I mm -hmm. because I like most Canadians, we haven't really seen a lot of this happening here. Um, and of course, you get a sensational clip about some lady claiming she has 195 IQ, but that mm -hmm. can't recall mm -hmm. the name of a doctor she's constantly citing in one of her. Mm -hmm. Her videos, um, but her specifically is—is—is is, is there a mental health issue here at play? I mean, we're not psychologists or whatever, but what, what is your what are your thoughts on that? Because that's my first reaction. I'm not claiming either way, but my first reaction right. is like, I mean, there's 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 got to be something going on here upstairs, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the reasons why that particular video with 
Kellyanne went viral was not so much the message itself, because we have heard, we have seen news articles about other demonstrations and rallies, whether it's in Toronto or, or other Canadian cities and obviously down in the U.S. So that sentiment is not new. I think the reason why this one sort of stands above the others is because of her particular presentation, uh. right? And that's what makes it stand out. And so I know at first, uh, uh, just on my own Facebook page where I first posted the video, and a lot of people are saying, oh, clearly there's a, uh, uh, some kind of mental illness, there's a mental health issue here. And my initial reaction was, well, let's let's just not give her a pass by saying oh let's it's it's mental health that's all it is yeah. uh because i mean as far as i know i think what i said was you know stupidity is not in the dsm-5 right that's right. not classified as uh as a some kind of mental handicap but then when she started to respond on her own facebook page and she reiterated a lot of those points and not only reiterated she elaborated on them hmm. so someone else asked her what are these 13 degrees that you have in psychology and she listed off 13 titles which if you read them they're not psychology degrees they're they actually read like uh, a course curriculum uh, for one degree right so she... it, it goes into abnormal psychology uh you know social interactions all that kind of stuff so did so she, she read 13 pages of a book or or I mean, it's it's right. entirely yeah. believable that she took an undergrad psych degree. I think it was at U of T because if you go to her LinkedIn profile, she's I think she's uh, she went to school at U of T. So it's entirely possible she's taken her psychology degree there. Right. And the course load included these thirteen specific classes that she needed to graduate. And somehow in her mind, she's conflating credits with degrees. Ah. Uh. The mind of a you can't really you know dissect or or, or rationalize or understand right. the depth of a yeah. Mensa a Mensa member right so but who are we to judge right so who am I to say who am I to say yeah right. um, and I mean that's another element there her consistent claim that she's a member of Mensa and the 195 IQ but I mean we can move mm -hmm. off of her a little bit I mean there are other there's a cast of characters here there, there uh, are yeah one one I actually I, I, I've seen before is that uh, a gentleman by the name of Ron Banerjee Ron Banerjee yep um, I remember ben first seeing him at a Ford Fest once where he had apparently physically attacked an LGBTQ protester um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, said some pretty pretty awful things. Um, mm -hmm. is, is this a case where we're starting to see kind of like a political whack pack for Toronto? Is that what this is? It's like there's a, there's a, a, a cast of uh, the usual suspects that just show up to these things because prior to this, there were, I mean, Ron Banerjee has been at anti-Muslim protests um, mm -hmm. you've, you've seen him, uh, obviously in a lot of other right-wing contexts. Mm -hmm. Um, you post about how there's, there's a racist background there. Um, is, is it just a matter of, of it being a, a group of people who find kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, some social life through these kind of pursuits? Uh, I certainly think there is a, um... A measure of this whole birds of a feather flock together sort of thing so they have sought each other out 
Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, other people have noticed the same thing, and not just with this Toronto phenomenon, but across the world, even in uh, in some of these anti-mask, anti-lockdown protests, whether it's in Canada, the the U.S. and the U.K. and so on, there seems to be an undercurrent of uh, white supremacists who have flocked towards this cause, not because being anti-mask or being against an economic lockdown is is somehow core to their ethos, mm-hmm. but they have they have glommed onto this, I think or at least what I've read from other people's analyses of this, is that they see it as perhaps a vehicle to recruit more people to their cause. Uh, Ah, so you think it's just like a gateway cause? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's... Contributing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not that... I'm I'm not saying anyone who is anti-mask is a white supremacist, but I do believe many of the organizers and the people who promote this very strongly, the ones who are the most vocal, have a very good chance, not guaranteed, but have a very good chance have, of, of having some sort of association with white supremacy. And I've seen that at the, at the various Queen's Park protests as well, even from the very first one, which I think was probably, I want to say either in March or maybe in April, and right. one of the loudest voices... Uh, was a fellow, I think his name is Todd Noel. Again, he was very adamant about spelling his name and getting his name out there. And he had, curiously, the very same kind of sentiment that Kellyanne had about how uh, he would draw a parallel between what is happening now and what happened with the Jews during the Holocaust, right? So the, Mm. the words that he would use, the images that he would invoke... Uh, while on the surface might seem to be against Hitler's rise to power in the Third Reich. But then you question, why did he use that particular example? There are many, many other examples that would be either more apt or more relevant. Why do you keep bringing those particular ones up? You know, he talked about the Star of David. He talked about Israel. If you do a little bit bit of research on him, you know, he's done uh, uh, some pretty much one-man protest. I think he lives in Coburg, is what some of the news reports say. And if you look at the video footage of the placards it's, he's held up, he has a lot of the right-wing talking points. He has a lot of the fascist and the white supremacist talking points. He has links to to uh, to alt-right sites in the U.S. like Infowars and so uh, on. Right? So, so, so you think it's just a matter of, of, of them... I mean, another thing I sense in there, other than mm-hmm. perhaps, I mean, you you can see some of the the, the right wingness of of a lot of this. It, there's an, a very anti government, anti um, system kind mm-hmm. of kind of uh, a tone and theme throughout all yeah. all the threads there. And is 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 that is that kind of like did you sense that that was a key motivating factor in, in a lot of the things that they were saying and the kind of people that they were attracting maybe some of them are you know they're just simply paranoid and they think the government's after them but some of them are perhaps life losers and 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 are want to blame the system for for some of their their failures and then there are some who are kind of white nationalists, perhaps, and 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 are, are glomming onto that and seeing the government as an oppressive force and all that. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't think it's just merely that they think the government is an oppressive force. Uh, in our case up here in Canada, because we do have a a liberal minority government, 
with uh, you know the NDP and the conservatives holding the balance of power, whereas in the U.S. you see it's the Trump administration that has it. So it's kind of uh, we've got opposite uh, um, scenarios between the two countries. But up here, I believe it's their talking points from the anti-maskers are probably not so much ideologically based as it is an opportunistic um slant to it so they mm -hmm. see that hey we have a we have an opportunity here here's the here's the message we want to push out the fact that it's that we see justin trudeau doing his daily briefings you know by himself in front of rito hall and you can see his hair is getting longer and this and that we can use that to our advantage um we see them even going against doug ford in some cases despite ford being a conservative they said he's uh you know he's he's going against his uh his party's credo and it's not something we agree with so they have selectively championed certain politicians um one example is uh, randy hillier who is the um uh the mpp out in uh, kingston uh frontenac i think lanark county something like that Right. Uh, and he's the one who has been promoting the anti-mask, um, you know, approach to the rest of the legislature. And he's the one, if people remember, he's the one who was kicked out of Doug Ford's caucus. So he's actually sitting as an independent, independent right now. Yeah. Right. So at, back then, I think that was maybe January or February when that happened. That was kind of an interesting little thing that uh, that occurred. That was in the news cycle for, for about a week or so. Um, but then, as it turns out, he's very much with the whole anti-mask movement. Wow, it's it's so so there are elements kind of permeating all of all layers here, whether yeah. it be in you know alt-right media, alt-right mm -hmm. kind of uh, folks, and so again, it points to the agenda. There are, are weird agenda crossovers at play here, and just in the politics of of wearing just wearing a mask um there's another yeah. person in the crowd there that i want to highlight only because i think this was the first kind of mainstream breakthrough of an example of of anti-mask uh attitudes and behaviors and that is leticia montana who i recall mm -hmm. seeing on the news um walking into a hospital i believe and refusing to wear right. a mask. saint joseph's yeah, yeah. Uh, which is not only incredibly um, selfish, but it's it was incredibly dangerous, and uh, uh, and of course, it, the clip was very sensationalized. Well, it's a sensational clip, but I mean, every news outlet started writing it, and then she got a lot of press coverage. Did she do that intentionally? And and that's question number one. But tied to that. What responsibility does mainstream media have in ignoring these people if it was trying to get some? legitimate attention or mainstream attention to the cause because i mean clicks equal obviously and eyeballs obviously equal revenue so mm -hmm. obviously there's a monetary incentive to cover people doing bad behavior mm -hmm. but when there is a public risk uh that is spreading this disease is the media not somewhat responsible in in, in or culpable in giving these people flight that they would not otherwise have so again, question one, did she do that intentionally, do you suspect? And question two, what role does the media have in all of this? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I can't speak to her intentions, uh, but I suspect 
that given the approach, given that she was conveniently, uh, the video was conveniently rolling when she walked into the, uh, the admitting section of St. Joseph's Hospital, and she walked into the emergency department, I believe, claiming that she had a suspected broken finger. She had a story about how that happened. Um, and she walked in without a mask, which again, you would think any reasonable person, even without knowing the uh, about any kind of mask policy, you would put on a mask if you're going to walk into a hospital of all places. But then, of course, on top of that, with the staff telling her that uh, that she needs to 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 wear a mask for her to be to to be let into the hospital. Uh, and that just escalated from there. So, I mean, it does seem very much. A, a staged event yeah. that, uh, you know, the hospital staff weren't let in on it, obviously, but she had done it deliberately, again, to incite this sort of outrage and to incite, uh, I guess, as perhaps what she would think as a call to action to say, hey, look, we here I am at a hospital with my right, with my taxpayer's right to have my publicly funded health care delivered as a service to me, and I'm being denied that. Yeah, all because so you, of a mask. You believe it was just, you know, on the balance of probabilities, you believe that it was kind of intentional and staged. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's it did not seem to be a a good faith, uh, innocent little event. Right. It wasn't an incident where she she really did. I mean, maybe she really did hurt her finger, and again, opportunistically, she thought, hey, why don't I use this little boo boo that I have on my finger? Let's wander over to the hospital and see what happens. And, you know, maybe she thought if nothing happens, then no harm, no foul. I don't have to post a video. But if something does happen, I have some ammunition I can use. I guess it's irrelevant in the sense like chicken or egg kind of thing. Um, in the, mm -hmm. You know, whether or not she became part of that group after the fact or and then up or planned it in advance, being part of the group in advance doesn't really matter in the sense that right. you know the one, one yeah. thing that bothers me about mainstream media is that when they depict these things they they make it sound like it's just this lone protesting person this random citizen who took it upon themselves to highlight an issue and which could have been maybe is somewhat true but there's a default thing there going on mm -hmm. in their depiction of it like one woman walks into St. Joseph's and 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 decides to you know put her foot down like they they almost normalize that kind of behavior when there could very much be an agenda at play and it really bothers me that i mean it's one thing to depict it on the internet because you can see for yourself the context of what's going on but then when it's thrown through the institutional lens of let's say a ctv or, or whatever uh they they tended to depict it as like one one person versus a system and and that's that's what bothers me a lot so again i bring it back to what is the role of mainstream media in normalizing this kind of th stuff and what should their responsibility be in your yeah opinion? i mean on the on on the one hand you can say uh if you want to be a totally neutral news source you would cover a story because it happened right so this is something that happened therefore you cover it now, on the other hand, you have journalistic responsibility in covering something in as, I don't want to say unbiased, because that's almost, it's almost impossible to be completely unbiased about something other than describing the facts. If you get it down to that point, it, be, it no longer becomes newsworthy. So why bother publishing it at all? Right. So I would say 
it is okay for a news organization to also offer some context and to offer facts and evidence and uh, and uh, you know commonly accepted uh, I don't want to call it wisdom but let's say uh, um, uh, you know pronouncements from the government from in this case public health so uh, let me give you an example for instance so um, with Letitia Montana's little stunt at St. Joseph's all the all the mainstream newspapers covered it and you know the Star Globe and Mail and so on um, for my particular video I actually was contacted by the Toronto Sun of all outlets to ask about this video so they interviewed me about that I gave my piece I tried to state exactly what we're talking about here and they of course in the interest of being so-called fair and balanced they also contacted Kellyanne Wolf to see what her impression was what her reaction was uh she did send them a fairly long diatribe uh i'm told and which the she then later posted to her facebook in its entirety so everyone could see it oh i can't um, wait to go home and read that yeah yeah i i can send you the link if you want to see it right. uh, actually i think she may have deleted it but i have a copy so anyway. all right and i'll um, if i get a copy i'll post it in the the show notes below yeah, for, for sure yeah so what happened was I was uh, contacted by the journalist at The Sun, and she interviewed me over the phone. Um, they did eventually receive that reply from, from Kellyanne. They posted an excerpt from her, uh, from her, her, her email to them, and she talks about how her children have faced threats and this and that and why she believes masks are harmful. And they left it at that at first. So they ended the article saying, uh, something I'm going to read it here it says uh, you will not enforce upon my right to life, liberty or security of my person nor my children because you simply have no right. So they ended the article there. Mm -hmm. I had linked to the Toronto Sun article saying, hey, guys, this is you know probably the first, possibly the only time I'll ever uh, link to a Sun article. But they were quite accurate because I was I was on the phone with them just fact checking everything. But a friend of mine pointed out, and quite correctly, that the Sun has a responsibility to not spread not only false narratives, but in this case, possibly dangerous uh, information that might harm public health. And to their credit, the Sun added two more paragraphs at the end of the article. They amended it to include statements from Toronto Public Health about the use of fabric masks and how they do work in keeping the uh, keeping down the spread of, uh, of virus particles and that the general public should be wearing them. Wait a second. Right? So they did that on your prompting or they did that independent of, of being. Uh, so they did it actually on a, on a friend of mine who commented on my Facebook post and the journalist uh, was reading that particular ah. thread. Right. So hey, they, check it out. The Toronto Sun's growing up. Eh? Exactly. You know, I'm like, wow, this is blowing my mind. I mean, I. I you know, I, I don't consider the Sun the most reputable of sources or reliable of sources normally. But in this case, right, the, the journalists did come through. They did post uh, an edit. So now if you go to the Toronto Sun webpage and you read the article, it ends saying that the general public should wear non-medical masks or face coverings when going to public places, which is which is which uh, which agrees with what the, yeah. the city mandate is. Right. So to me... Yeah. That to me, that is that is responsible journalism. You know, whether you even needed to cover the story in the first place, it can be debated. But if you're going to do that, then that is truly showing both sides. You're not 
uh, I know some of my friends says, why are you posting these videos? You're, you're just giving them a platform. I'm like, well, I think I'm really more subverting their platform to put the true message out. I'm, I'm taking their message and because this particular one was just so ridiculous. Especially when you it. go to great lengths to fact check along the way, which I right, really right. appreciate. That, and that's... And that's what I did. I mean, it took me hours and hours to produce some of the, the video might only have been 10 minutes, but I think it took me something like six hours to kind of put all the screenshots and put the links and all the material and the voiceovers and all that, put it all together. So you hear that, folks? It, These videos are very difficult to they're produce. They're very difficult to put together. Like, I I, I mean, I kind of knew before because I'm, I'm a photographer, so I know how much stuff goes on behind the scenes, but right. video is just a, a total, it's, it's a different beast. So anyway, yeah, I mean, my, my whole point is, yes, I may be, maybe she did get a million more views, but it's also a million more views showing why their particular stance is not valid so yeah. i think on the balance it is it's it's uh it's a net positive yeah absolutely it's an exposure thing but an exposure of how not to be almost and and i, I really appreciate that there was one concept you touch on there that i find really interesting it's content concept I've, I've come along uh before and that's the dunning kruger effect can you explain what that is and why it's such a it's it's actually a very succinct a way yeah. to explain some of the logical, mm -hmm. um, um, the, the the logical fallacies going on and that are at play here. Yeah. So uh, Dunning Kruger uh, is the uh, the last names of two researchers uh, who have done some studies into into answering the question as to why is it that it, it seems that some people. Uh, consistently overestimate their ability, right? And nothing to do with anti-mass or anything. And this happened a while ago. So for instance, if you were to take a survey of the general population and ask everyone, do you think you are better than average, average, or worse than average in terms of driving skill? So something that's not political, it's not nothing to do with religion, anything. It's just your driving skill. Do you think you're, you're better or worse than the average driver out there? And they found, you know, something like, I don't know what the exact number is, but let's say it's, uh, you know, 83% of people thought they were better than average, which mathematically can't be possible. Some people right. have to be worse than average, right? Below the median, above the median, that sort of thing. So they did some studies and basically the popular part of the so-called Dunning-Kruger effect is that some people don't know enough about a particular subject to, to realize that they don't know enough. <laughs> um, now, if you look at the entire spectrum of, of Dunning-Kruger, what it says is when you start off knowing nothing, you, you realize you know nothing, right? Yeah. So, let, uh, you know, when I first started getting dabbling into video editing, I knew I had no idea what I was doing. Like, yeah. I would fire up the software like I don't even know where to start. I have to start watching YouTube videos to figure out where things go, right? But then as I kind of get up, I'm like, oh, I figured all this stuff out. This, is, this isn't actually that hard. I think I you know what I'm doing now. But in reality, there is 99% of what I don't know is so far beyond my understanding that I don't realize that there's whole, there's this whole other universe of knowledge out there. Until about I that started subject. Getting, about that particular subject, right? About, in my case, video editing. In, in the case of the anti-masters, it could be things, it just could be general science knowledge. It could right. be epidemiology, it could be virology, that sort of thing. But as you keep going, you then realize just how much how much there is to know out there and it could be years and decades before you get back up to the an actual expert level so when you get to that level 
you realize that, wow, I mean, I, I, I never knew as much as I thought I did. Now I have a better understanding of where I am along the spectrum. But it seems that many people are at the very beginning of that, right? So if you look at the, if you look at a graph and you have an axis that's confidence on the y-axis, and then let's say you have, uh, you know, competence on the x-axis. So ability, yeah. Right, sure. ability, expertise, intelligence, whatever you want to call it. The people who have very little competence tend to be extremely confident that they have high competence when in fact the reality is the opposite of that. And I think that's what was so perfectly demonstrated in my video was not only was Kellyanne especially, but also the others, not only was she just objectively wrong in some of the things that she believed in, she was confidently wrong yeah. about it, right? She was so confident in her in her beliefs that oxygen was not smaller than a virus. Not only her She's, beliefs, but her ability, her status mm -hmm. to espouse it with expertise. She felt like she had to constantly talk about how smart she was and how many degrees she had. Meanwhile, right, it's like a it's like a defense mechanism. She's overcompensating, yeah. right? So, yeah, I mean, to me, that was just uh, the the kind of the textbook definition of someone who who knows so little yet is so overconfident without realizing that. Yeah. You know? So that, 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 that DK, Dunning-Kruger effect, gets thrown around a lot. I just thought in this particular case, it was probably the most egregious example that I could think of. So too ignorant to know that they're, how ignorant they are, and then they overcompensate by yelling louder, essentially. That's basically what it is, right? So they, they think they know what they know but in reality they really know very little speaking of yelling louder there's one gentleman in one of the videos that got almost physical with you did you <laughs> yeah. ever fear for your safety physical safety in that moment or did you think it was obviously you depict him as a barking uh, chihuahua a little, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. at some point but i mean did you i mean someone can throw an odd left at some point just to prove a point right. you never know right. especially right. in a world where you know the the question, questionable mental health status of some some of these folks is, is is apparent who was that person and why did they get so irate with you not just yeah, once, I'm, twice. so so i don't i don't know who that person is um, I was reviewing my video from earlier on in the day when I was down at Young Dundas Square. So he was actually, uh, and you can tell because he's got the baseball cap on backwards. He's got his little his little Pomeranian that he was carrying around with him the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so he was filming um, the, uh, I think it was the CP24 news crew when they were down at Young Dundas Square. So he was filming them and I noticed him back then. And he was all smiles, and I'm like, okay, he's just another random guy, you know, out walking his dog. And I didn't realize it was the same person until much later, but then up at Young and Bloor uh, is one of those things you look at him, and okay, I mean, he's he doesn't really stand out from the crowd, but what was just so jarring was how quickly he went kind of from zero to a hundred to that super hyped, hyped up, amped up reaction. Yeah, right? like a road rage type of thing with literally within seconds, you know, and I mean, I've been in situations where I felt physically threatened and you, you, you kind of get those spidey senses kind of tingling, you know, OK, this person might be a legitimate threat. I never felt it with him. 
mm-hmm. I think is just because it seemed like he it's I thought at first he was just doing this on purpose. He's he's just grandstanding. Here he is holding this shishi little dog in his arms, you know, and he's got his baseball cap on or whatever. And, and, and within the space of literally two or three seconds, he starts yelling in my face. I'm like, it, it, you know, is there another camera rolling behind me? Is he trying to prank me? Is he just trying to troll me? So maybe he's just trying to spit uh, water drops. Maybe. Well, maybe which he is knew funny he because maybe he like, and it's ironic because of course his original beef was with me was because I was getting too close to him. Mm-hmm. I'm on my on a bike. I'm not particularly mobile. These guys are all on foot, so they could they. I mean, they could dance around me however they wanted. I'm just on my bike, right? right. So I was actually trying to back up for some of that. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, in his case, I never really felt there was much of a threat. And if you look at the video again, you can see the other protesters kind of putting their hands. Yeah, on there was shoulder. that one kind gentleman who came <laughs> along, and he was just really nice. He was just like, "Hey, man, uh, we're yeah. all just trying to get along here. If, yeah, you know, if there's yeah. a commotion, you, yeah, he's, he seemed kind of nice. Yeah, I know. I, I actually felt bad for that particular fellow because I don't. I again, you know, not were there police there though? Psychologist, there were, yeah, yeah. So TPS was there. They were on uh, on on both corners, uh, you know, hands off. Again, they're not saying anyone. They're not saying that you can't protest. That's everyone's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody has any issue with that that uh, that aspect of it. But I suspect that if anything escalated to physical violence, they they would have been there. So right. in seeing in being at a bunch of these. Obviously, you've spent some time in quarantine. You're probably not going to go seek these people out again. Um, mm-hmm. But if you do, maybe keeping a distance or whatever. Um, have you seen the movement grow uh, from event to event to event? Because I know there was a Queen's Park one. It looked like there was a lot more people than a, than a dozen. And yeah, mm-hmm. is it bec- if, if it's not growing it like by leaps and bounds... Um, it, it, the protests, the protests that we're seeing in the U.S. are actually quite large comparatively, um, mm-hmm. and we're seeing the consequence of that there. If they're, if if the movement's not growing at that pace here, do you think it's because you know your typical Canadian uh, loves to you know generate their Canadian identity by comparing us to the U.S. So we don't want to be like them, and therefore there's a little bit less appeal to joining such a group in Canada. What do you think is going on there? And, and comment about the size of the group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's always difficult to estimate true, uh, I guess, engagement, if you want to call it that, uh, Mm -hmm. particularly from this type of movement, which derives most of its momentum from, uh, online presence, right? Social media. So if you were to show up to Queens park, uh, you know, the very first one, I th- I think there were maybe 30 people there, and it did kind of grow for a little bit, but then it shrunk down again. Um, one of the other ones I had attended was actually, uh, I wasn't at Queen's Park for the anti-mask people, but it happened that the um, the Not Another Black Lives, uh, Not Another Black Life uh, organization who, uh, who had uh, put together uh, a rally for Regis Korchinski Paquette, Mm-hmm. Right, the young woman who uh, who who fell to her death from her balcony, uh, they had started in the presence Trinity, of police. So that in was in the presence police. of police, right? Mm-hmm. Which is still under investigation at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had started a a march from Trinity Bellwoods across Bloor Street 
to get and to, to end up at Queen's Park. They knew the anti-mask people were there, and even then, back then, they knew there was this white supremacist element to it. So they had consulted with police to say, should we, as you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, is it safe for us to go down to Queen's Park? And I believe it was determined that they, they could go down to Queen's Park if they chose to. There was a lot of police down there. No violence, no altercations. I mean, barely even any shouting between the two groups. So that all worked out well. But that that particular rally, it was it was just in stark relief. The comp the, the comparison between the uh, the uh, the not all Black Lives March had I think the media count was four thousand people showed up wow. to that one. Yeah. Versus so I guess I counted, maybe yeah. You know, about a hundred and twenty for the anti mask. So. Yeah, I mean, I can see them getting a following. How serious it is, hard it to tell. Seem. So it might just be yeah. like the, you know, the conspiracy Toronto whack pack, uh, as they mentioned right. earlier. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, it's it, it's again hard to say, but I suspect it's it's another situation where you have a minority of voices that just happen to be shouting louder than yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Right. And it's I hope it stays that way. Right. Yeah. Same um, here. Yeah, and that's one of the things. That's one of the reasons. One of my motivations for doing this sort of thing is, uh, is, is to not bury our head in the sand and say, you know, these people are crazy. Let's just ignore them, because yeah. if you ignore them, it's gonna, it's, it's, they, they are actually, ironically, spreading like a virus. If you ignore the virus, it's just gonna spread. That's yeah. what a virus. You gotta expose it to sunlight, you know. Yep, you gotta expose it to sunlight, right? Virus will spread because that's what it does. That's in its. Although nature. I don't like the way the mainstream media does it, which is why shows like this and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and channels yeah. like yours mm-hmm. should always exist and and and, and keep doing the yeah, work. Yeah, and, that I, we're and doing. I'm 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 quite happy to do that because I've got. I mean, I have. If you read my the comments on my videos, I would say like ninety five percent of them are in vehement agreement with yeah. what I've said, which is fine. I mean, I expected that. But to me, the, the best part about all this are all the private messages that I've received Oh, on, really? on Facebook and in email saying, hey, I, I didn't want to stick my head out, but I just wanted to thank you for the videos you put together. Uh, it's nice to have someone who can list all the facts. And now I can take this back to my aunt who believes the same thing like Kellyanne could have been my aunt. Now I yeah. know what I can say to her, and I'm like, that's great. That's exactly why I do this sort of thing. I want to, I want to embolden the people on you know our side of the fence, so to speak. Speaking to- of fallout, though, have you experienced mm-hmm. any negative fallout? I know you mentioned in some of our conversations that there was threats right. of of libel suits or right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, right now, that's all it is. It, it's I, as far as I can tell, it's just grandstanding and posturing, right? Oh, Someone, okay. But what about say, private messages and stuff? Have you received any hate? Uh, I ha- I've had a few, but I mean, again, they're so laughably juvenile. Yeah. Uh, I basically just laugh back. I just type in ha 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 ha, lol, whatever. I put in a stupid emoji and I leave it at that. And that, in some cases, seems to infuriate them even more. So I'm more than happy to to, to troll them and just kind of lead them on. Uh, you know, again, at no point have I felt that uh, my physical safety has been threatened. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, who knows? They might escalate. I find in most cases, their their their, their bark is worse than their bite. Right. Yeah. So I'm not particularly worried at this point. Um, 
we're 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 we've we've gone at a good amount of time here in this discussion, mm-hmm. but I do not want to leave it off before we do our little oxygen experiment here. I have one of these. Oh yeah, you, me- you mentioned them. You mentioned them in the um, uh, in one of your videos. Yep. They are a pulse oximeter and yep. oxygen po- pulse. What were they called again? Yeah, pulse yep. oximeter. Finger so pulse oximeter. Yeah, explain what that, what does. that is. So this is a uh, it, it, it's a medical device, but something that's available to the to the general public. And what it does, you you stick your you stick your fingertip into the reader, and I believe it has some kind of light source, usually an LED. Uh, and what that does is shine a light through your skin, and it can measure uh, your pulse. Because if you shine a light through the uh, your skin and it hits the uh, the blood vessels, it can it can not count, but it can measure the amount of blood that's been flowing through there. So from there, it can measure your pulse and it can measure how much oxygen is actually uh, being carried by your blood. So, so right now I'm measuring 98, 97, that kind of thing. You can right, kind of see, yeah. I don't know if you, I can get really... the focus going on this, but uh, yeah, I have it just, let me see. Ugh. Focus. Yeah, I know. Maybe I'll <laughs> fix that after and I'll, I'll yeah. here, I'm going to take some photos of it. Yeah, so right yeah. now we are at 98, 97. I'll take some photos of it and chop it mm-hmm. in after. People are going to say, it's photoshopped. And I'm going to put a mask on and see if this changes at all. And this all right. is kind of their first see. claim, right? Yeah. Uh, th- that uh, these things reduce your oxygen intake. And masks courtesy of masks.to on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Hold on, i got to put mm-hmm. this around the headphones here. Let's see if I can do that. Oh, will that work? Yeah, it's working pretty good. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so still at 98. And that's a pretty full face mask because it goes over the bridge of your nose, which is where it should be, and it goes all the way down to... It looks like it goes underneath your chin, too, doesn't it? Yeah, let me go to full mode here. Maybe you can see Okay. it says 98. I have the focus set in the weird area here so it doesn't go out of focus. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it says 98, 99. It actually went up. Okay, well, mm-hmm. let's add another mask to this thing. And let's see if it, uh, okay. it changes at all. Actually, why don't yeah, we so go you... go nuts and go add another two masks here? So you've got a fabric mask on now, and you're going to add two of the uh, surgical procedure masks. Yes, yeah, surgical procedure masks. Let's see where yeah. we're at. We're still at 99. Keep yeah, it in so for a while. I mean, give it a minute. Yeah, <laughs> keep it in for a while because that's the thing, though. I mean, the pulse oximeters, your, 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 uh, the oxygen levels in your blood uh, obviously don't instantaneously change because it has to go through your lungs and circulate through your body and so on. Um, but, I mean, even without this, you would think that common sense would would lead you to conclude that masks aren't going to harmfully reduce the amount of oxygen reaching your lungs because how many decades have we had surgeons and doctors and nurses wearing these masks for a 12-hour shift and we they're not falling over from hypoxia yeah exactly is it all of a sudden now it's a big problem so um it's in it's still staying at 99 i know people can see that let me bring it Mm -hmm. back a little bit let me go full screen you see it says 99 there. Yeah. Still going, not changing. My pulse is actually going down, which is good. 
<laughs> and let's go back to this. Uh, and I'm recording a little bit here. So, oh, it's at 100 now. It actually went up. Oh my God, Yay, the mask wow. is actually, <laughs> it's concentrating the oxygen okay. in the room. What's back, going on I, here? Now it's back and I know, let me just push it. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's always going to be some uncertainty in that reading, you know? Yeah, I think they're plus minus 2%, but I think I find it interesting. Probably. So people, mm -hmm. wear your masks. It's not affecting your oxygen. If you actually want to see what it, uh, what it says there, let me go full again. Uh, we're at 99 yeah, 99, bounce between 99 and 100. And, you know, that's enough of this kind of little experiment that I'm going to do because it's kind of, kind of annoying. Ugh, get these things on in the sense that the, the mic is all muffled. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, finger pulse oximeter. Um, I got these for my family <laughs> members just early on in the pandemic because I think if it drops, drops below 90, I think it's somewhere in that. Uh, that's when you should be going to the hospital if you do catch COVID. Uh, but don't take it from me. Go do your research. You can find them online. I think they're only a few dozen dollars. Um, but uh, that was <laughs> an interesting experiment there. Um, and one you can forward to your friends. I'll probably clip it out either at the beginning or on its own type of thing. Um, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's yeah, been my interesting. Pleasure. It's been entertaining, um, and I, I, I'm fascinated by what compels uh, folks to uh, kind of go down the roads that we've explored tonight. Um, and I'm glad you're there on the front lines documenting it. Not sure if you're going to continue doing that or do it in a more safe manner, but I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate your efforts. Is there anywhere where people can get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, probably the best way is to, uh, if you want to start on YouTube, because that's where the videos are hosted. So they're hosted under my name, Brian Tao, and I guess okay. you can leave the, uh, the spelling of my name in the, in the show notes. Yeah, I'll link it down uh, you below. You can also, uh, look me up on Facebook. You probably, I don't know what my Facebook profile looks like to the public, but I do know I have a lot of public posts, so it should be pretty obvious which Brian Tao you're looking at. I don't think there's many people on Facebook with that exact name. Plus, right. I do show that I'm in I'm in Toronto, so it, it again it should be fairly obvious um, which of those profiles is actually me. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. And uh, I, again, appreciate you coming on the show. I will link your contacts and your YouTube channel um, in the show notes below for anyone who wants to see the videos. They're quite entertaining, even if the subject matter and the people behaving in them are quite. Uh, um, um, I don't know. Uh, bad. Unsavory. <laughs> Unsavory. Uh, depressing <laughs> on some level. Um, but yeah, you yeah. should definitely check them out. And uh, all that will be in the show below. And uh, thanks, Brian, for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right. My pleasure. And to everyone watching, again, you can tune in and forward this to whoever you want. If you have any questions or concerns, you can send them to info at pod6.com. That's info at pod6ix.com. If you want to watch this, or sorry, listen to this in audio form, you can search this uh, podcast and subscribe to that um, on every podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts now. They subscribe me automatically for some reason uh, way back. So again, you can find this in audio form on every uh, podcast platform and in your podcatchers. 
And then also you can find this on Facebook and YouTube as is normal and on the pod6.com website under Lockdown Toronto. I really appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you in the next one. 